listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, what's up, Lakers fan? The first episode of 2020. I know you're all excited to hear it. I'm just kidding. I know you're probably not. But uh, jumping into this on a Sunday evening after the Lakers. An ugly, I would say, 106-99 win over the Detroit Pistons. We're going to jump into that. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Joining me today, she's been on the podcast with me a few times. Uh, great writer, does it for The Athletic, WNBA, SI Now, Lakers, SBN, Dime Up, I'm going all the way down. Uh, Sabrina Merchant, Sabrina, what's going on? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no First problem. First part of the new year. I know. It's, it's exciting stuff. I know all, uh, all uh, about, uh, well, I'd say about maybe 10,000 people listen to this. So we're, you know what? They're, they're pretty happy, happy to have me back, I'm sure, after, after the I uh, want to jump into this first. If you didn't get a chance to watch the game, uh, it was a little bit of an ugly performance. They started off really hot. Of course, once the bench guys came in, uh, that lead totally disappeared. And then in the, in the third quarter, uh, the Pistons dominated the, the Lakers 32-19. to 19. Of course, the Lakers ended up going on a 14-0 run to start the fourth. Uh, kind of had to hold the Pistons at bay the rest of the way. Not, not a great performance in terms of offensively. Defensively, though, 20 blocks. First time the Lakers have done that in quite some time. Uh, Anthony Davis led the way with eight. Uh, JaVale McGee with six. Dwight Howard with five. Sabrina, what would you pick up on from, from this game, especially in that, in that fourth quarter? Was there any point that you were like, damn, the Lakers might lose this one? It's funny. I was actually having a conversation this morning with a couple of friends about how I thought Dwight was kind of losing it. Um, and how I thought he might be able to benefit from some uh, brief load management, you know, just to get his burst back. And I was uh, roundly proven wrong. (laughs) 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 Dwight looked about as good as he has all season. Uh, No lack of athleticism whatsoever. I mean, I think that's what stood out the most is just that Dwight looked so bouncy. And when he has that level of burst, the Lakers' defense in the paint is devastating. Yeah, we saw that. We saw that today. And I think that's, you know, in a funny way, I think a lot of people have done this too, like Lakers fans and, and media members. I'm almost looking at like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard as like one person. You know what I mean? So it's right. like if you're looking at the at the center spot, you look at today, 20 points combined. Uh, they finished with 12 rebounds combined. Obviously, the block's 11 of them. So basically, you got a triple-double from, from your center spot. And, you, and you, you're referring to, to Dwight kind of falling off a little bit. It, what like what is your realistic expectation for for Dwight coming off the bench in terms of um, points and and rebounds? Are you looking more for him to be a defensive force uh, than you are offensively? Of course. Yeah, I'm absolutely looking for him to be a defensive force. But the problem is that the Lakers put out so many janky offensive lineups with their bench that the fact that Dwight can't really do anything, you know, other than just like finish putbacks or finish lobs. Uh, on the offensive end kind of diminishes his scoring utility. But honestly, if he finishes with zero points and just protects the paint, prevents, uh, you know, the other team from getting too comfortable going to the basket, that's best case scenario. Yeah, he's been, I mean, they've been, they've all been kind of what I'm referring to. I mean, the three big men in the Lakers in terms of AD, Dwight and, and JaVale, they've, they've been great at, at, at protecting the rim and not just getting blocks, altering shots. You know what I mean? Making, mm-hmm. making uh, other guards come in and, and question or you know, have to change how, how they're throwing it up. And I think they've been really good at that because you look at this game. If, they, if the Lakers play like this against a good team, they lose tonight. And, and you know, people, people have been looking at it and saying, oh, um, you know, the, the Lakers are, uh, 
are you know they're 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 killing they're they're they should be killing these teams and it's like okay well no they're still twenty and zero against teams who are below five hundred so they're doing something right they're that exactly haven't, get, haven't given away a game you know to to a lesser team yet but you also look at it you're like ah okay nine and seven against teams with winning records so that's obviously the the favorable schedule so far of course good teams though take care of business against the bad ones you you we're talking about a little bit about the bench performance. When you look at, at this team, and this, this is what I'm, I'm going to jump into specific players individually. When you look at the bench, what do you think they're missing the most coming off of there? I just think they're missing another playmaker who can help settle the offense when LeBron isn't on the court. Like I think we saw it again today. The Lakers took that 11-point lead in the fourth quarter. I think it was 90-79. to 79. Uh, LeBron sits, I think, at 90-81, and then all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> Detroit's right back in it because the Lakers can't really execute that well on the offensive end. And it's become sort of a recurring pattern that whenever LeBron sits, the offense goes into disarray. And it's strange because, like, I don't think LeBron has been fantastic defensively, but his plus minus is just through the roof every time <laughs> I look at one of these box scores. Um, and I do think that the Lakers thought that Rondo would be this playmaker to handle the non-LeBron minutes, and that hasn't looked as good as they would have hoped in recent games. So that's to me, the major weakness right now. I'm with you. And, and, uh, and, you know, I'm watching this team and again, you know, I've had people tweet at me or, or leave comments and saying that I'm, I'm, I'm being too harsh. It's like, well, no, I'm not looking at this team for what they were doing in early January. We're looking at it for, are they going to be able to win a championship come time for April, May and June? And mm -hmm. when I'm watching, when I'm watching this team, and, and you, you've seen this happen against, against some of the good teams as well in, in, in some of the games that they've lost. And I think that was a big difference in the Christmas game. Although they got a big, big night from Kyle Kuzma, the benches couldn't keep up with what the Clippers were doing. And, and you're, looking at, you're, you're looking at some of the losses that they've had. I'm, I'm going to give them a pass on the, you know, on the Denver game and, and the right. Indiana game because they, they were missing their, their horses. But, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's like I don't know if Frank Vogel's falling too much in love with the idea of having Rajon Rondo out there. But for, uh, not Frank Vogel, pardon me. Rob Palenka has got to find a way to address that because if you can find a way, there's been rumors now of uh, Darren Collison. There's been rumors of uh, uh, DJ Augustine. They're checking in on him. I don't know if they have the assets to get this done, but they mm -hmm. need to get somebody out there who can help run the offense. Right. That's what makes Collison such an exciting prospect is that the Lakers wouldn't have to surrender any assets to get him, right? He would just be a free agent signing in February. Like in Rob Palenka's, uh, you know, turn of phrase, he would be a legit mana from heaven if he came yeah. in February. <laughs> <laughs> he would be. He definitely would be, and I, I love what I love what he brings to the table as well. And he's a guy who's going to come out again. You're going to play him probably what twenty, you know, twenty minutes a night. And if he can give you seven, eight points and four or five assists and kind of set the table for the offense, then then I think it's a win. Because when I'm looking at this team, do I think the Lakers have a chance to win the championship as as they are right now, as constructed? Absolutely. I, I think mm -hmm. they, they have a very good shot. Do I think they become a, a like the the overwhelming favorite if they add. And so people are probably looking at this like, what do you mean? You're going to get Andre Iguodala or Derrick Rose and it's going to, you know, shift the team. Yeah, because that's the biggest weakness that, that they have. Exactly. I think um, the Lakers have all of these perimeter options, but they all have specific weaknesses. You know, uh, Bradley is not the playmaker that you would want at your starting point guard. KCP can't really handle the ball. Alex Caruso is not not exactly creator either. And then Rondo has his defensive weaknesses. Whereas Collison, I don't think he's a great player, but he definitely doesn't have any substantial weaknesses, which makes him a perfect role player for a championship team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you, that's where you hit the nail on the head. This team needs role players. And, and, and we're going to get into one specifically because I was reading some neg negative comments as well about this guy, Kyle Kuzma. 
Um, hasn't looked that great in terms of body language. Didn't look too happy in this game tonight. Again, I don't. I don't. Uh, people got to understand these guys are human beings. They're not robots. Mm -hmm. They whatever maybe has something going on off the court. I don't know. But he didn't look very. Didn't look very engaged tonight. Um, what do you think of him? He's kind of been a polarizing figure for 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 Lakers fans, and some some people are you know they're split, and some people think he's going to be an All Star eventually. I'm not one of those people. I think he's on a on a really good team. He's a 14, 15 point a game guy at his best. On a on a crappy team, he's going to score 20 points a game, but the team's going to go 20 and 62. Uh, what what do you think of, of of what he brings, and is he the right fit? Because if you look back at and when Boogie got hurt in in August, we were just like, damn. I was like, okay, well, Kyle Kuzma kind of becomes. The number the number three guy on this team offensively, and mm -hmm. has he delivered that sometimes this season when healthy? Sure. Has he done it consistently? Absolutely not. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on the nail right there when you, when you said when healthy, because Kuzma's entire season has been thrown out of whack because of that injury he suffered during that Team USA camp. So it's a little hard to grade him, you know, because he's a little bit behind the curve. Just he didn't get to spend training camp with the rest of the team, and he's been just playing behind the eight ball the entire season. So the fact that he's had these flashes where he looks so impressive, like you mentioned, that Clipper game, and he's had multiple other, you know, double-digit 20-point scoring outputs throughout the year, it's so useful for the Lakers to have a guy who is capable of that kind of scoring effort because I just don't think there are that many guys on this team who can put, put up 20 points. And I know it's not a regular occurrence from Kuz, but it's the threat is there, and... The thing with Kuz that I've always noticed is that his reputation seems to precede his actual ability, but that's fine when the defense treats you like a scorer. Yeah. All you need to do is just uh, attract some attention away from LeBron and Anthony Davis, and he's serving his job. Like Obviously, today was not a good game for him, uh, but you know he's coming off a nice stretch where he played well against... Uh, he had some good moments against New Orleans. You know, I, I thought he was decent against Phoenix, uh, but... I've just seen so many, not so many, I've seen enough good moments with Kyle Kuzma, like those uh, 80 at the five lineups where he plays alongside LeBron James in the front court and they have like, you know, KCP or Danny Green in the backcourt. Those lineups where the Lakers can run and get out in transition and play at a faster pace, I think that's what really fits Kuz. When uh, the game slows down a little bit, I don't think he looks nearly as good and asking him to be the primary creator on those bench units when AD and LeBron sit is clearly overtaxing him. But... I think there are ways to make him useful in this offense. And again, the fact that he has just a higher upside scoring the ball than anybody outside of LeBron and AD on this team makes him valuable. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to address some of the things that you're saying and jump in, jump into some other options. And I'm going to kind of tie in the last couple of points we've, we've, we've discussed and we're going to do that after a short break here. Okay. And we are back. Uh, Sabrina, before the break, you were mentioning Kyle Kuzman, and, and you were saying kind of his fit and, and where his game is, is going to be best suited to be successful, right? And, and that's what we're looking at. Okay, he's better in, in, the, in the open court. He's better as a slasher. He's better as cutting, you know, backdoor cuts and, and, and reading what's happening on the offense. Not going to have many opportunities to do that when you're playing with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. You mentioned we were talking about Rondo and the, and the lack of a playmaker. If they bring in a guy like Darren Collison, if they bring in a guy like, I, I mean, again, Derrick Rose, I think is going to be a little bit too rich for their blood, but um, you, you could bring in another guy who, who can, like you mentioned, has the capability of just scoring and, and being able to run the offense. Do you think that'll help Kuz's game a lot, or do you think what we're seeing out of him in terms of the inconsistency is, is what he is? I think that'll help him tremendously if they get a real playmaker to play alongside of him, because he is not the primary creator on an offense. He should not be. I don't think he's ever going to evolve into that at any point in his career. He's just, he's a scorer and he's 
he's a very talented scorer. You know, he hasn't been able to demonstrate that on a regular basis. But if the Lakers put a better offensive ecosystem around him, I think that would enable him to be more successful. Yeah, and 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 I agree with you, and I think that's where he's got to be able to find his he's got to be able to find his 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 kind of groove on this team because if you look at the offensive sets, and like you mentioned, when that second unit is out there and he's playing with them, he looks a little bit lost, and I don't think he's at the best when he has the ball in his hand. It's like, hey, Kuz, go to work and break your guy down off the dribble and and go do your thing. He's the best where he's kind of reading and reacting to what's going on around him. And sorry, um, you know, when when you're looking at when you're looking at the fit, even with AD and LeBron, don't you find it to be a bit clunky? I actually love Kuzma when he's playing with AD and LeBron together with AD at the five. I think those are some of the Lakers' most interesting lineups. To be fair, that might just be because AD's at the five. I think that's the Lakers' most interesting lineup. But I think just because that version of the Lakers doesn't get stuck in the half court the way they do with Dwight and JaVale McGee, and that serves Kyle Kuzma's strengths. Yeah, because I mean, you don't have that that guy kind of taking up the the room around around the paint and and Mm -hmm. not really blocking things up there for Kuz because and I find that with Kuzma as well like when you see him playing well and he's had a couple of those 20-point games it's where his first six or eight points are coming from either driving to the hoop and, and finishing a lay-in or getting to the free throw line and then his jumper starts getting going and then it, you start seeing other stuff from him whereas a game like this one against the Pistons it was basically like okay ho-hum I'm standing in a corner he missed all of his threes um, he's not really driving. He's, he got to the free throw line only once today, and he, and he looks almost lost. And and do you think that the team? I mean, again, he only makes one point nine million dollars, so it's going to be tough to make salaries match in terms of what you're what you're giving and what you're getting in return. Do you think that Rob Polenka should look at trading him at this point? I think the Lakers should look at trading anybody, you know, short of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, because when you have a title window, you have to maximize that window, right? So if an offer comes for Kyle Kuzma that makes sense, I think they should absolutely consider it. That being said, I just don't see what could possibly make the Lakers want to move Kuzma, considering he only makes a couple million dollars, and there just aren't players around the league with a similar salary who can offer this kind of production. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. When you look at, like, they're trying to win a championship this year, and, and, and I had some people actually, you know, tweet at me last time when I was, I was critical of Kuzma about the fact that, well, they got to keep him. He's only 24, and and they need some young talent for when when you know to convince AD to stay. And I'm like, dude, Anthony Davis isn't going to be convinced to stay if Kyle Kuzma's on the roster, right? Let's not get let's mm-hmm. not get it twisted. When when LeBron rides off into the sunset, they'll have that cap space. They'll be able to bring in another superstar, hopefully, or be able to bring in someone who is um, you know who is an, an all star at, at the very least. And and to me, it's like, well, if you're looking at Kuz, and and I agree with you, it's like. Yeah, you have LeBron and AD. They're obviously untouchable. But anybody else on that roster, and you, you're able to bring in uh, a player who's going to upgrade upgrade your 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 weaknesses and, and kind of mask them a little bit. You got to look at doing it. And, and I think that's where we're looking at with Kuzma. Is I think some people have like this love affair with him because they're attached to the young guys that we all wanted and all thought would end up being like playing at another level. And to me, it's like I'm going to give Kuzma the benefit of the doubt. Give him another couple of weeks here because he only came back, you know, in in, in late December and. And he, he has had a lot of injuries and he's been dealing with some issues in terms of just staying in the lineup. Um, you know, his first game back was, it was the 22nd of December against Denver. And it's like, OK, let's give him a month. But February 6th is coming up. And if he's not delivering and you have the opportunity to make a trade to bring someone else in. And again, I mean, there's a lot of factors at play here in terms of not having first round picks, uh, not having the cap space. And who else would you attach that another team would want? But I, I'm with you. I'm like, you got to look at winning a championship right now. And if Kuzma is, is the sacrifice you got to make to do it, then by all means, go ahead and, and put it through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I just I, I have a hard time imagining what sort of trade construction would get you a player who makes sense 
you know, more than Kyle Kuzma does. Like, I, like I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that, like, Anthony Davis and LeBron James need to be enticed by young talent to stay in Los Angeles. Like, LeBron James has never cared one iota about young talent. No, he actually <laughs> got rid of it any time he could. He just discarded it to the side of the road whenever it right. suited him. Right, and Anthony Davis, I'm sure if LeBron James is in Los Angeles, like, that's all the impetus he really needs to stick around. When you, when you look at the end of the bench now, I mean, and it, for people who don't know, Avery Bradley uh, ended up spraining an ankle. Frank Vogel did say after the game he could have came back in, but he was hobbling a bit. So he might miss a game, might miss two, might not miss one at all. Um, when you look at that, okay, I, I would assume KCP goes back into the starting lineup. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at the end of the bench, okay, I think we can both agree Jared Dudley is the 12th man on the squad, right? Right. I think it's so strange, actually, just to hop on that for a second, that mm. the Lakers are essentially just wasting two roster spots this whole season with THT and DeMarcus Cousins. Like, if they're trying to maximize their depth, uh, it's strange. That's not the best way to do it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's definitely not the, not, not the best way to do it. And, and, and I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, now you've got Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels, who I don't know if you can trade away for a bag of basketballs at this point, that any team is going <laughs> to want them. But it's like, are you, who has disappointed you the most on the Lakers, especially from the bench guys? Hmm, who has disappointed me the most? Uh, I, I think it's Rondo. I mean... I didn't have the highest of expectations of him coming into this season just because I've, I've generally been a Rondo hater. Uh, that's, you know, just dating back to the Celtics days. And I thought it was very telling that last season he was essentially the only Laker that had a negative net rating when he played with LeBron James, which is just an incredible thing to manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was hoping that he would be able to propel the non-LeBron lineups, especially once it became clear that he wouldn't be starting. But he hasn't been able to do that, and I feel like he's even diminished a little bit from last season. Like, I just don't see the amazing passing vision, you know, that came to define Rondo in the earlier part of his career. So I think he's the most disappointing for me, only because the other players that don't really play, they they aren't on the court enough to have the level of negative impact that Rondo does. Yeah, and well, I just can't say that I was expecting much out of Quinn Cook or Troy Daniels. I did think Jared Dudley would play more. I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't. I wonder if that's just because uh, he's a good enough vet that he's okay with those DNPs. But that's more of a surprise to me than anything. Yeah, I think Jared Dudley will, will get some run in the playoffs. I, I think when the games actually matter and, and you're looking at it, and, hey, you need five, six minutes or you know three, four minutes, whatever it is, a quick breather for a guy. Um, or maybe for foul trouble where he can come in and play some defense and hit some threes. I think mm-hmm. you'll see him a little bit more consistently there. Because, I mean, I look at it, it's like, okay, you were mentioning Dwight Howard. Like, you were, nobody was ex- expecting Dwight Howard to come in and, and play 82 awesome games or 70 awesome games. You were like, all right, you get a couple right. of, you know, 10, 15 games out of him. Great. I think he's done better than expectations. Um, has he been totally great all season? No, but he's, he's, he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, you look at KCP, started off terribly, uh, was worse than, 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 what I already thought he was. And he's, he's actually played pretty decent in terms of um, he's not going to screw up the game for you. You know what I mean? He's not going to lose the game for you. He's probably not going to win you many. He's not going to lose you many. I think Caruso has gotten better as the season went on. And I look at the, the end of their bench and that's where I'm like, okay, if you can get a playmaker, cause Rondo will have like one every 15 games. You're like, Oh damn, Rondo scored 14 points at 10 dimes tonight and, and, and look good. And then you won't hear from him for 15, 20 games. And then mm-hmm. he comes back in and, and, and you'll have another good one. And so I, I, he's been disappointing to me. I would say Quinn Cook, I was expecting to be a little bit more of an offensive contributor. And when I say that, I mean consistently putting in, you know, six, seven, eight points a night and, and being able to hit some open threes. But he just looks like he's lifeless when he's out there. So and I think that's where we we're, what we're talking about is and I know 
some people who listen to this are going to sit there and say, oh, you're being negative. Again, no, we're not saying that a, a 29 and 7 team is bad. They're, they're playing awesome. They, they played great. But if you look at it, that end of the bench and, and having a creator has been a huge problem spot for this team, especially against upper echelon talent. So as they go through these runs where they're going to play um, some good, you know, some good playoff level teams, like they're going at Dallas, uh, at OKC, and then, you know, they're going to have a couple of game, easier games in between with Cleveland and Orlando. Then you go Houston, Boston. It's like those are the games you're looking forward to seeing how they measure up. Exactly. And I think uh, the thing with Quinn Cook is everyone sort of thinks that he's a point guard just because he's sized like a point guard, but he's always really just been a shooting guard trapped in like a six foot one body. Yeah. Um, it kind of worked in Golden State because he was surrounded by this long armed set of wings, you know, every time he took the floor. And I just, you know, think back to when he was at Duke, he didn't actually play point guard in their most successful season. That was Tyus Jones' responsibility. So uh, I, I think there was like a little bit of shine on Quinn Cook just because he came from that Golden State, you know, lineup, uh, mm-hmm. which the Lakers seem to have a fondness for, you know, robbing from that Golden State well. Uh, but he's he's kind of been what I thought he was. He, he doesn't really have a ton of value unless he's making his shots. And I just don't think he's ever going to play enough to develop enough of a rhythm to consistently hit that jumper. Whereas like Troy Daniels, I feel like he offers a little bit just because he he seems to play really hard. Like whenever I watch him on defense, he's always exerting a lot of effort. And that just even if it doesn't amount to anything, it you feel it and it spreads to the rest of the team. So like if the Lakers have to surrender one player in order to make room for a new addition, like say Darren Collison, I would think. Quinn Cook would be the guy to go, but then again, he has a two-year contract and Daniels is only on for one, so those mechanics would probably factor into it as well. Daniels, the guy who had one great game against Utah and everybody's like, yeah, he's one of the best shooters in the league, and now nobody <laughs> nobody wants the guy anywhere near the court when, when they're actually playing. Uh, let's, let's wrap up on this topic, Sabrina. You're looking at, I mean, we're almost at the midway point where the Lakers mm-hmm. are 36, 36 games in. Um, you know, 41 is obviously the midway point, but a bunch of teams kind of around that mid-30s right now. Uh, looking at the Western Conference, I, I think in the East, it's Milwaukee, Boston, a tier below that, and then teams like Miami, Toronto, Philly, good, but probably not going to factor into the championship equation. I, I think that's Milwaukee, and to a lesser extent, maybe Boston. But in the West, we're starting to see uh, a little bit of separation now in terms of between, you know, who the maybe the six, seven top teams are, and then the eight spot is going to be a total wild card. But when you're looking at those other top teams in the Western Conference, if you had to pick two, who are like, I don't, I don't think the Lakers want to match up against them in the second round. Or, or you know, conference finals, you make it there, you know, all bets are off. But if you're looking at a second round dangerous matchup for the Lakers, which of those teams do you think matches up the best against them? And I know you're a hardcore, um, you know, into the, you follow the Clippers and you cover <laughs> the team, basically. So uh, is, that, is that one of the teams you're looking at? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if this is biased by the fact that I watch them every day, but I think <laughs> the Clippers are probably the toughest challenge just because I'm not sure the Lakers have demonstrated that they have someone who can adequately guard Kawhi Leonard. Uh, He's just been phenomenal both times the two teams have played, and we saw what he was capable of doing in the playoffs, even when the rest of his team seemed unwilling to take a shot. Uh, So that matchup scares me the most just because, I I mean, I don't even care about the rest of the Clippers. They are incredibly deep, but it's just Kawhi Leonard that scares me more than anybody else. And then I know that the Lakers looked pretty trash against Denver last time, but that was without LeBron James. I'm not terribly concerned about Denver just because I think that their best player is neutralized by the Lakers interior defense so that's not as worrisome and they literally have nobody to guard LeBron James uh Utah doesn't really worry me um I would guess Dallas just because of their offensive firepower they've played uh the Lakers 
tight in Dallas once and then, you know, blew them out at Staples Center once. So just because their ability to get hot in a hurry and how tough of a cover Luka Doncic is, I think Dallas and the Clippers are the most worrisome to me in the West. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Mavericks pick, too. I, and the Clippers as well. I, I Just both games that I've seen them play so far, I'm like, man, if they play these guys seven times, the Lakers are definitely going to win two or three of them. But that one seventh game, and, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, it could come down to, hey, who's going to deliver off the bench? And you look at the Clippers, they have guys like Lou Williams. They have guys like Montrez Harrell. You know what I mean? You can come in mm-hmm. and fill it up with 20 points and, and turn the game around when the bench guys are out there. And for the Lakers, it's like, are you going to rely on Rondo to, to score 15 points in a decided game? Probably not going to happen. And, and we're looking at what Kuzma can bring, and you're like, you don't know. Does he have the potential to come in and score 25? Yeah. And like you mentioned, he's one of the few guys on the Lakers, other than LeBron and, and AD, and probably not, not few, the only other guy you look at and say, yeah, Kuz can come in and score 25-30 if, if he's having a great night. And, and so those guys match, uh, concern me, but you're right with the, with, the, with the Mavericks. It's just the style that they play, and mm-hmm. it's one of those series that, like, you know, the, each team's going to win all three of their home games, and it's going to go to random game seven, and the Mavericks could hit 25 threes and beat you, right? You know what I mean? So uh, I think that, it, that those two teams are the ones that scare me. But do you agree with me on the, on the fact that if the Lakers are able to bring in an Iguodala, if the Lakers are bring, able to bring in um, uh, a Darren Collison, do you think that, 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 that almost like basically takes away some of that worry when you, when you stack them up against a team like the Clippers? Yeah, I think Iguodala is the ultimate trump card because he is you know, been the premier wing defender in the postseason for the last five years of the NBA playoffs. And just being able to have a guy of that size to throw at Leonard, to throw at Doncic is so impactful. And then we talk about how the Lakers don't have a backup playmaker to replace LeBron James. Well, Iguodala essentially played backup point guard for the Golden State Warriors on that second unit. So that's a role he's very comfortable with. I mean, you you literally could not design a more perfect player to fit the Lakers' weaknesses than Andre Iguodala. I just think he's the the ultimate answer to all of their questions, but the the possibility of him getting to the Lakers, I just I'm not I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I just don't think it's very likely. No, I mean you, you think Memphis is going to hold out and just kind of wait, then a team's going to eventually surrender something rather than yeah. Have I, mean, I I think Memphis played this wrong by sending him away and then like trying to recruit value from a guy who they didn't think was worthy of keeping on their bench, but. I do think that a team that has more to offer like Denver or even Dallas will eventually cave and give Memphis what they're looking for. Maybe even the Clippers will. Who knows? But, so where, where, where do you think he ultimately ends up if you had to make one, 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 one pick for where Iggy ends up? Where do you think that is? My guess is Denver, just because they already have a level of familiarity with him since he played one season there. And they just have a litany of contracts that match up, you know, salary-wise. And they have enough, like pseudo interesting young players that they would be willing to part with hmm. okay well there you guys have it now the the clippers insider is picking uh andre iguodala to go over to uh go over to the denver nuggets right <laughs> it's interesting i i just realized that i didn't consider houston when i thought of who the lakers would be you know have the most trouble with in the second round and i realized the lakers haven't played them yet this season have they no no they haven't played them yet that's an yeah interesting i'm matchup as i'm well. really interested to see how they match up against houston boston and philly uh just because I mean, those are like three of the best teams in the league that they just haven't had a chance to play against yet. And Philly, especially, that Embiid matchup is so interesting to me. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, him and, AD, him and AD going at it, is that what you think? Yeah, that it's going to be fascinating. I mean, and just Philly is just so big, you know, like that's the Lakers' main advantage, I think, is that they just overwhelm teams with their size. But you do not overwhelm Philadelphia with your size. 
No, you can't. I mean, they got Horford and B. Those guys are, are kind of c- controlling the paint. And it's interesting you mentioned those teams. It's like, yeah, we're going to get to see the Lakers play the Rockets on the 18th, Boston on the 20th, and and uh, the Sixers on the 25th. That is and some then, back-to-back Houston-Boston. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Houston-Boston. And here's a good part. They go Houston-Boston, New York, and, and Brooklyn. I mean, I, they sh- should kill the Knicks and probably beat the Nets as well. Yeah. And then they go at Philly and then home against the Clippers. So th- those are kind of four out of six games that we're, we're going to get to see what this team is made out of. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about the Lakers from this stretch. Well, it'll be it's going to be it's going to be a good month, and I actually get up more for the fact that when they play good teams, and I mean they're playing the Knicks on on Tuesday night again, should be a twenty point win. We don't know if it's going to be close or not, but to me, it's always it's always the big games um, that kind of make me get me motivated up as a basketball fan and covering this team. That like, all right, let, let's see some good basketball here and how this team is going to respond. Uh, Sabrina, always having fun having you on. Thanks again for taking the time out to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a good time talking about the Lakers. Even though, even though you're a Clippers, Clippers lifer, it's okay. We'll let, we'll let you slide on that one, right? <laughs> I, I cover the Clippers. Let's make that clear. I just cover the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. You, you take the fan card away, right? You're just you're covering the Clippers. That's your job, and that, that, that's what you do. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that's Sabrina Merchant. You can follow her on Twitter at Sabrina. That's S-A-B-R-E-E-N-A-J-M. Uh, does a ton of uh, great stuff for The Athletic. It's off-season now, but she works for Sports Illustrated, as I mentioned, uh, covering the Clippers and also does a weekly column for us here at SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast network. Give us a five-star rating. Of course, we always appreciate that, especially if you listen all the time. And you can ask us questions, leave your feedback, comments, whatever it is. And we'll try and get to it in each of our episodes. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. That does it for this episode. Lakers against the Knicks Tuesday. And then a big schedule coming up as we get later into the week. They go at Dallas on Friday, back-to-back at OKC on Saturday. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next time.